0: What's up, guys? We just wanted to say thank you to our sponsor for um, sponsoring our podcast, Shaping Up Nutrition. Thank you so much for for doing what you guys are doing to the community and also taking care of us as our first uh, first sponsor, big sponsor. Um, Without you guys, you know, we obviously couldn't get these awesome guests on our show and to talk as well and smoothly as we've been able to. But Shaping Up Nutrition, they're inspiring and impacting the community through nutrition and empowerment. Shaping up nutrition, healthy and delicious on the go. Jordan, I know you've been working with them for a long
1: time. What you think about them shakes, man? Yeah, I've been going there for seven or eight years, just because one, their shakes are delicious. Like I love brownie batter, and it's like it's like almost like licking it out of the bowl. That's how good the shake is, and it's healthy. Like what, well, I can't get any better than that. I usually go there probably after workouts. I used to go there almost every day, like just because the atmosphere of that club is. Is amazing. The people behind the counter are just fun to deal with, fun to hang out with. We can talk about nutrition, sports, politics, anything and everything. They're just a couple of people that are so personable and so much fun to be around that it makes you want to keep going back again and again. And that's what we like to hear. We like to hear going back again and again. I know Shaping Up Nutrition
0: loves you guys' business. City of Wichita, you guys have done them some good. Remember, check them out. Check out their shakes, check out their teas, check out their vitamins, check out what they, they want to help you. They want to help you succeed and they want to help you with the healthy lifestyle. Guys, go check them out. If you haven't checked them out, check them out now. They're all over Wichita, many different franchises, different names, but Shaping Up Nutrition, all compacted into one, one great company, great people. They got great values and even better, they got great nutritional values.
2: Oh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Dan. Oh, sorry. sorry. My uh, my camera on my laptop is really bad.
0: So. No, 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 no problem. No problem. I think we got Jordan, my co-host. There he is. Hey.
1: How do you? How to get my coffee at seven o'clock though? <laughs> That's what I did. I did too. I had to get mine ready to go. <laughs> it's Friday. It's been a long
0: week. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And then we finally have Professor Fox. Finally have you on the show.
2: I am really sorry to have messed things up
0: before. No, 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 you're fine. We we've had a lot of uh, you know interviews so far and you're not the only you're not the first one to to accidentally either forget or miss or have to reschedule at last minute. So it's it's no problem.
1: Yes, so, man, we're, we're just excited to have uh, you on.
0: <laughs> yep. I, I appreciate you saying that. Yep. So, no, like like Jordan said, we're very excited to have you on. You know, we've seen you on, uh, seen some of your shows on, uh, your talk shows on PBS when you've been on PBS. Um, you know, obviously, uh, KWCH, I think I've seen you on the news channel before. Also, read some of your blogs. And you're a professor at Friends University, which is awesome because that's where I graduated from. So, that's my, uh, graduated from Friends University as well. So, that's awesome to,
2: uh, I didn't ever have you in a class, Daniel, did I?
0: No, no, I, I never had you. My major was uh, computer science, so I was okay. in the computer science realm. They didn't, they didn't get to have the privilege to, to, to see uh, some of your classes or hear some of your, your talks, but I did get to uh, see I don't you. know
2: if it's a privilege, but <laughs> you're playing the role of a good host by, by softening up your guests.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, we try we, we try to please here. We try to make you feel comfortable. And, uh, so
2: how long have you guys been doing intelligent nonsense?
1: For I think a little more than a year now, right? Yeah, think so it started more about a October of last year, and then yeah. kind of slowly started got it moving, and then started asking people to come on the show, and then COVID hit, and then it made it easier. Actually, it almost made it easier for us to reach out to people because we don't have to meet in person anymore. We just do it over by Zoom, and so this last year has been kind of a growing experience, and we've learned a lot doing it. Yeah
2: what uh inspired the podcast was there like an original focus that you had or was it just you guys were friends and you wanted you know to be able to talk about stuff and share it with people?
0: kind yeah kind of like that it, it, it kind of started with uh we have you know we have a small group of friends little circle and then he, he i've known jordan my co-host since i was a little kid so we've, we've grown up together and um we we kind of we, we always have we like to say intelligent conversations, you know, like to think we're intelligent. We like to think we're pretty smart, but then we also get kind of, kind of stupid. We know we can get stupid too, and and it can get, it can get sideways and get kind of funny. So I was like, man, you know, whenever we have these conversations with people, people seem to, even people outside our circle seem to tune in and kind of engage. And so we are like, you know, it'd be kind of fun to bring in topics, talk to people in Wichita, talk to people outside of Kansas and Wichita, and just kind of you know keep our minds going learn from new people uh-huh. keep an open mind and i'd say that's kind of what spurred that's, our interest that's great
2: so you're reaching beyond just your circle of friends what what platform do you host this on uh
0: we use spotify itunes um there's a tool that we use called anchor that allows us to kind of push our podcast out to many many different platforms facebook we have a facebook page that we can post our our um all our our episodes on okay. instagram uh, Yep, Instagram, just about everything. But
2: so like, like, those are just those are open access. Is Spotify open access? I mean, do you have to like pay something? To- nope, Spotify it's is free. free. Spotify?
0: Nope, Spotify yeah. is uh yep, Spotify is free and it works pretty. It's worked been working pretty nicely. Um, so we that's kind of that's kind of our main one is Spotify. Um, but yeah, we have we use different different uh, mediums to allow our podcast to kind of be heard.
2: I I know uh I know a lot of people listen to their podcasts through Spotify and uh i i guess i assumed that it would be like some sort of subscription service or something like that so you,
0: you can you can like, definitely have a subscription service but it uh you know it's small fee no, but i mean for you guys oh for us no no it's pretty it's a pretty nice platform to, to just kind of host your information for free
1: I feel like eventually Spotify will have like a, like a, like a subscription, but right now, like I'm sure they're making, cause I pay like $10 a month to have like no ads, anything like that. So I know they have millions of people doing that too. So they're, so they're doing pretty well. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, working through these platforms, I guess you can tell how many people download your podcast. Uh, I mean, do you have any kind of sense of, what your listenership is. Is that a word? Listenership?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We, yeah, we definitely do it. You know, there's some pretty good analytics behind everything that we post to. So um, our main app that we use to help source, are all of our, our podcasts to help kind of push it to the different platforms that has some analytics behind it and allows us to kind of see how many downloads from each platform, how many listeners we have on average and how many downloads. And then it also gives you a total so far of everything we've posted, how many uh, on total have actually listened to it. And it gives us each episode, breaks it down by each episode too. So um, as we've, as we, like Jordan mentioned, since COVID hit, our listeners have actually gone up. And, uh, and it might be because, you know, we originally were trying to get people into the, into like a studio setting to record and talk and do things, but that made it harder for everybody's schedule. Um, but then when, once this happened, we just kind of reach out to people that, you know, we're really interested about talking picking people's brains and, you know, we hop on zoom and we're able to record everything. And that's been working just as well than having to pay, you know, multiple, I would say fees or expend more money, um, for equipment and things of that nature. So this has actually been pretty nice.
2: Well, that's great. I mean, I, it, it's always fun for me to stumble on, you know, a, another group of people, another person or another group of people who are, are finding ways to, you know, to talk about things, to engage with things, to engage with other people. Uh, there's so much of that uh, if you just are attentive to it, you know, people that are, you know, publishing people that are posting meetings, people that you know are finding ways to connect. Uh, it, it, it's it's one of the more hopeful things mm. that I see, um, and I don't I don't mean that in the sense of oh wow we're in a desperate situation and so these people are the ones who are saving us. I think it more it's more a matter of this has always been what human beings do. They've always you know found ways to get together with their neighbors to you know organize clubs to you know join efforts to share ideas mm-hmm. and I, I think we forget about that I think we forget that that human beings are these social creatures and uh, if you're not paying attention to where this social interaction is happening whether it be through podcasts or people getting together at the bar or something like that uh, if you're not noticing that things then you're missing out on a lot of what's really important about life so thank you for being part of that i mean that's that's just cool you know you you contact me out of the blue you say we got a podcast and i just (laughs) of course you do
1: that's fantastic (laughs) that's kind of how it's been lately we just like we're looking for people and topics that we think are interesting, especially now being like around election time. And then, um, just, just the way the times are right now, we just, we reach out to different people like yourself. And then like a couple weeks ago we had some ER nurses and an x-ray technician or a, a radiology radiologist technician talk to us about like the effects of COVID. So it's like the more we're learning, the more the people that listen to us, we're able to learn too. Mm.
2: That's great. That's great. I'm going to get to check that one out. I'm sure it would, teach me things that I don't know. Yeah.
0: There's been pretty interesting hearing from them since, you know, obviously we hear so many different things from different articles, different news sources and to hear from somebody who directly from somebody who's having to deal with the day in and day out and see kind of the worst of everything, which kind of sucks. Cause they're having to deal with the worst of the worst. Um, you know, it's a little bit of an eye opener and shows, you know, hopefully people who are listening yeah. shows what these ladies and, and men who are dealing with, you know, and you know, dealing with this doctors, nurses are dealing with, you know, straight on and, that way, they kind of can see, hey, we need to be a little bit more sympathetic to what's happening because you know they're they're struggling just as much as people out here are. So
2: yeah, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, I want to make myself available to you guys for the next forty five minutes, hour, whatever. Uh, if you want to throw questions at me, uh, I'd be happy to answer <laughs> them. Uh, uh, if you want me to try to come up with something that would hopefully be interesting mm-hmm. to <laughs> your to the listeners, mm-hmm. I can try that. Uh, you know, this is your ball game. So, so All right. go ahead and pitch me whatever you want. Well, I know we
0: did want to start off with. We both agreed because you know we we, I, we like like I said, we like to think we're intelligent. We like to think we have some some common sense and some smarts. <laughs> but um, you know, a lot of you know a lot of people out here in today's world right now, especially being so highlighted with the election. I think people don't, I mean, I know people don't understand politics as much as they like to think they do. They don't understand the ins and outs of, um, you know, maybe even just the basics, the Democratic Party, what is the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, understanding how voting really works, like electoral votes, um, things of that nature. I think hearing and seeing a lot of posts from different people, some of the things they say, it kind of does show the you know, the ignorance to that and really not understanding what's really going on. And so that's kind of what drew us to you is because not only could you kind of, you know, educate us quickly on some of the basics just for the listeners to understand the basics, but then once we start getting into these deep talks and conversations and things we're seeing out there right now, hopefully you can kind of hit on some of those points. So to start off, okay. could you give us the basics well, of democratic and... Republican all right, so the basics.
2: So like, obviously, you know, the the big... The big political news right now is that we had a presidential election and uh, Joe Biden, uh, by all the reputable accounts, uh, got uh, millions more votes than Donald Trump did. Uh, But still, millions of people voted. And so, you know, you're talking about uh, a, a difference between the two candidates of You know, some people are thinking that when all is said and done, when every single vote is counted, uh, the difference between them will maybe top at about six million votes, which is a lot. Hmm. But then again, if you have over 150 million people voting, you know, that uh, suggests a really, really closely divided uh, group of voters, okay, with, you know, with 70 million, 75 million Uh, on both sides or you know something relatively like that so we had an election uh you know it's it's pretty clear that one person got more votes but it is also of course the fact that in the united states under the u.s constitution the person who gets the most votes does not automatically become president So, we have a system that's called the Electoral College, and everybody hears about that all the time. Uh, The basics of the Electoral College are that every single state is going to get a set number of votes. These are called electoral votes. And there are literally people, actually living, breathing human beings, who are appointed as electors. And those electors cast the elector votes that make up the electoral college total. It's an old-fashioned use of the word college to just mean any kind of collection of people. So that's important to keep in mind. This is not some kind of automatic algorithm. There are actually people appointed that make up the electoral college and they cast the electoral votes. Mm-hmm. So every state gets to appoint a certain number of these people, the number they get to appoint is determined by the total representation they have in the legislative branch of, uh, the national government. So how many senators do you have? How many, uh, representatives in the house of representatives that you have? Every single state has at least two, has two senators. That's, uh one of the elements of the constitution okay mm-hmm. every single state is treated equally no matter how many people live there uh under the constitution so california which has 54 million people has two senators mm-hmm. wyoming which has i don't know like 80 people live there um <laughs> it has two senators, okay uh kansas you know kansas has two senators but then you've got the House of Representatives and House of Representatives is, the size of the House of Representatives is determined on the basis of population, Mm -hmm. okay? So every 10 years when there is a census and they count how many people are in each state, that then becomes the basis for determining how many representatives you get. And so California has like 53 senators or rather, excuse me, 53 representatives in the House of Representatives, because a lot of people live there. Yep. Um, Wyoming only gets one. You know, they they have so few people that live in that state that given the overall size of the United States, as they average everything out, they only get one. Okay, Jeez. That's actually the least you can have. You By law, you can't have less than one representative. So Wyoming only has one. Montana only has one. Alaska only has one. Rhode Island, Delaware, they all only have one. Kansas has four, okay? So that means we have six electoral college votes. Two for our two senators, four for our four representatives. Mm -hmm. So Kansas, the state government of Kansas, gets to appoint six people to be electors. Now, originally, when this was written, when the Electoral College was designed under you know the US Constitution, the idea was that these electors would be really educated, experienced, enlightened <laughs> people who would be able to make experienced, educated, enlightened choices of course. for who they would want to be president. Yeah. Obviously, the system has changed radically over yeah. the years. Now what happens in uh, basically every single state and the procedure is different from one state to the next but basically every single state What they're going to do is they're going to tally how many votes each of the presidential candidates got Mm -hmm. amongst the voting population of the state and whichever Party's candidate got the most votes They're going to be able to choose the electors. So in other words In Kansas, since Donald Trump got more votes than Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. that means that the Kansas Republican Party is going to be asked by the Kansas state government to appoint six electors. And those are people who are literally going to get together sometime in December and they're going to cast the electoral votes. Okay. so one thing that I hope is coming through all of this is that Elections in the United States are overwhelmingly a function of state law. The Constitution has rules for how this is going to work, but the counting of votes and the uh, appointing of electors for presidential candidates, all of that is done on a state by state level. So that comes around to the news that we're seeing today. Okay. Okay. Uh, looks like Joe Biden clearly got more votes. And so that would mean that Joe Biden, uh, got more electoral college votes. And in some places it was really close, uh, you know, uh, election night went on into the wee hours of the morning, got into the days following it, got into the weeks following the presidential election. And, you know, there were still really, really, uh, close calls. For states like Arizona, Nevada, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Yep. And, and you are seeing those states only now, finally, after having counted all of the absentee ballots, all of the mail-in ballots, all of the overseas ballots from veterans and, and, and so forth. Um, you know, like Georgia, I think only officially announced yesterday. Uh, or maybe it was the day before yesterday. Yeah, it was this week ago. Uh, you know. Yeah. It's, so, so this stuff, I mean, it was pretty clear the night of mm-hmm. how things were likely to go. But there were enough states that were close enough that you, know, you had to wait. Yep. Okay? Uh, to people who maybe are a little bit older than you guys, people who are my age who might be listening to this, you might be thinking, they didn't used to wait. And you're right, they didn't used to wait because for a long time, uh, the technology simply didn't exist for people to have a really, really clear uh, sense of how many votes are there and yeah. how many votes remain to count, you know, by midnight Eastern Standard Time or mm-hmm. midnight Central Standard Time uh, mm-hmm. on a- Election night and so it became very common for people to just call the election and wait for all the details to be You know finalized later <laughs> Now of course we have the technology and you know people are going to be You know interested in using that technology to make sure they know exactly What's going on? Yeah, uh, and they will use and they will use lawyers to yeah bring lawsuits to argue that, wait a minute, we don't know what the real total is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, that brings us back to the big news story. Yep, We we really did have a clear sense of who won the mm-hmm. presidential election on election night. But we had to wait for all of these states to really finalize. Because and of that.
0: Would you say because as of
2: the process of what's that? I said, would you say
0: because of that, because of kind of having that, you, you say that there's a clear indication of who probably had a, a, an understanding of who might win there, that, that was kind of up in the air to most people. And that was like out there thinking people were like already kind of saying, I think Biden's going to win this. It's a very good possibility looking at some of this by the end of that night. They were saying Biden was going to win this. But that actually, I wonder, did that actually cause more problems than it, than it should have? Because people now are spitting this idea of this person won, this person won. No, you can't say that. You know, then it became, uh, became a conflict for the last, for that next following few days, where it seemed like it caused more problems than it did by
2: having that, I mean, that notion. I, I, I think that that's a reasonable supposition, Daniel. Uh, I also don't know if it could have been avoided. Because you've got people who have worked really, really hard trying to push their candidate over the finish line, mm-hmm. and they're going to want to move forward. And uh, even though uh, you you did have people on the Biden side who were saying, you know, oh, you know, we've we've got to be really careful here. We got to wait until every single vote is counted. Uh, But then you've got other people who are saying, well, wait, does that mean we've got to wait until every single legal action that Trump's people might bring Mm -hmm. is, you know, fully processed? What if that takes us all the way into December? How long are we going to wait? So, I mean, basically the Biden people decided, we're going to go ahead and we're going to act like we're the president elect. Um, When Uh, enough states have officially uh, validated their votes for us to claim enough electoral college votes to call ourselves the winner. Mm. And as soon as Pennsylvania did that, which was, you know, a few days after the election, they said, that's good. That's good enough for us. Hmm. Now, of course, you've still got lawsuits that are going on. Yep. It doesn't look like any of the lawsuits over the vote counts in Pennsylvania are getting any kind of legal traction.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it does look like uh, you know, there might be you know a, a, a forced recount uh, because of lawsuits yep. in Michigan. Mm-hmm. In Georgia, it was close enough that they're going to have an automatic recount anyway. You know, state law there says that if it comes within a certain margin, they have to do a recount. So even though Georgia is certified, Georgia has to completely canvass all of its votes yep. and, um, and, and and you know, do this recount. Yep. I I, I agree with you that um, part of the reason for, you know, this, this uh, frustration that some people feel is because... Uh, You know, folks on the Biden team went ahead and said, well, we got elected. But also, I mean, again, speaking to like I was before, you know, people that are a little bit older than you guys, people like myself. There's a huge tradition in the United States of the winner essentially being declared on election night and the loser calling the winner up and giving a concession speech and all of that. <laughs> we didn't get that this year. <laughs> no, we didn't get that this year. And so, you know, it's it's really hard to turn that off. Yeah. I mean, maybe we are slowly moving in the direction mm-hmm. of no longer having an election night. Instead, yep. we'll have like election week. or election month, and, you know, and and maybe, you know, all of these recounts will Mm -hmm. just become, you know, pro forma, everyone will expect them, you know, the the lawsuits, you know, to double check what the counties say about their vote totals and what states say about their vote totals, maybe those will become normal too. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, within, you know, a couple of election cycles, the new tradition will be, yeah, we, uh, we stopped voting in November, but then we spent all of November counting the vote and arguing about the vote, and then <laughs> we announced the president in December. I mean, yeah. maybe that will be the new tradition yeah. because technically you don't – under the constitution, you don't become president until you receive the electoral college votes, and those votes aren't count, cast until, until the electors actually do so in December. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean See, maybe – if you guys have kids, maybe those kids will grow up thinking, "Yeah, you know, uh, you know, once every four years, there's an election month, and you know, people just." You know knock themselves out trying to figure out what 150 million people did in america for a month and you know,
0: then mm-hmm. you can you imagine that it. though this whole that this one day this one election night that everybody you know so anxiously waited for or you know most people did um waited for now is going to go from having a heart attack on one night and now you're going to have a heart attack for a whole month these people are already yeah, stressing now they're yeah, going to be stressing terrible, for a whole
2: month terrible Uh, you know, I mean, and it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, Uh, we do in fact have the technology to basically instantaneously come up with a truly reliable result. That's the big Um, question. That's the big question.
1: I mean, that's what me and Daniel talked about that earlier about like how in American Idol, people can vote that night, and within an hour, you already know who the winner is. It's like, how do, we, how do we not have that for president of the United States? Well, so this is why. This is the primary
2: reason why. In Electoral Idol in, – in Electoral Idol. In American <laughs> Idol, there's just one person doing the counting. Yep. In the United States of America, there are 50 states, all of killing? which have different rules yep. in the counting. And it's worse than that because votes are collected on a county level and then reported to the state. So that means in Kansas alone, there are 105 different groups of people counting (laughs) votes, which then have to report to the Kansas Secretary of State office. They're the ones that tabulate the state votes. And then you have to do that national. I mean – if you want to make things simple in the United States, we have the technology to do it. 100%. You just have to take power away from the counties and the states. You uh, have so to say, cool. oh, okay, there's just going to be this one office uh-huh. in Washington, D.C., and they're going to run the whole thing online <laughs> and everybody vote. Pull out your phones and vote. Uh and I'm sure the program would be complicated and they'd have to build all sorts of security into the program to try yep. to fend off hackers and, and yep. whatnot. But honestly, we can do it. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, the reason why we don't do it is because of the structure that I was talking about before. Yep. The Electoral College, which is based on states, and states are going to tabulate their votes according to their rules. Yep. Kansas has different rules than Oklahoma and Colorado and Nebraska and Missouri, you know, different rules on you know when you can register to vote, different rules on uh, how late you can mail in your ballot. All sorts of stuff like that,
0: and see that, that and makes so, things that makes things more complicated just because of having those different rules per each state. They I mean, now now not only are you having to abide by each rule for each different state, that not only that will delay the process, delay counting, count you know, all, that just causes a whole problem, which is why I mean Jordan had also thought. Which I, I mean, we're not that we're we're not that intelligent, you know. So there's got to be somebody I mean, out there that's already thought about, hey, I mean, create an app.
1: One thing, one thing I was thinking of when we were talking about the Electoral College, and you mentioned the electors, like since Kansas has six Electoral College votes, and like let's say – like, since we're a red state all the time basically, since like if there's six of them that are allowed to vote, can like two out of the six vote Biden?
2: OK, so there are two states who do that, the state of Nebraska and the state of Maine. And uh, it's just – because again, this is all based on state law. Okay? Uh, The Constitution says that this is the way it has to be done, but states are the ones that decide how it's going to be done. So, two states have taken their electoral college votes and they have divided them up according to their own congressional districts. Okay? So, you know, uh, Kansas, its population in comparison to the population of the whole country means that it gets four uh, representatives in the House of Representatives. So that means we have four congressional districts. One of them is basically all of western and central Kansas. Uh, One of them is um, like uh, Topeka and, uh, you know, uh, I think it goes down and includes Emporia One of them is Wichita and kind of South Central, Southeastern Kansas. And then one of them is about 40 square blocks of Kansas City. Um, Because of course there's a lot of people that live there as opposed to almost nobody who lives in like, you know, liberal Kansas uh, or other places out west. Uh, So we get these four districts. And those four districts all have basically the same number of voters in them, but they're all very, very different districts. Now in Kansas, the law is that uh, the winner of the presidential uh, contest amongst the Kansas popular vote, they win all six of the electoral college votes. In Nebraska and Maine, they said, well, all right, we're gonna give the overall vote winner the two votes, that kind of represent the two senators in the state. But all of the rest of the votes are going to be based on who is the presidential contest winner within congressional districts. So for example, uh, Nebraska has five electoral college votes. It's got three congressional districts and it's got two senators. Four of their electoral college votes went to Trump one went to biden because it just happens that in the congressional district that includes the city of omaha biden got more votes so they're splitting up their electoral college total Uh, maine also does that if the whole country did that if states all across the country did that and changed the way in which their electors operated I think it would really profoundly change elections i'm not sure it would make the elections any quicker no <laughs> I, it might in some ways be even more confusing mm-hmm. but uh it would certainly change the way presidential candidates campaigned yep. you know uh you know like right now so kansas doesn't get a lot of attention but let's say missouri okay For a long time, Missouri was kind of a swing state. Mm -hmm. Colorado was, too. Colorado is now pretty firmly Democratic. uh, But Colorado and Missouri, on either sides of Kansas, both kind of went Democrat-Republican, Democrat-Republican in different election contests. Uh, The Democrats, of course, the Democratic candidates would go where the Democratic voters were. They would go to Denver. They would go to St. Louis. uh, They would go to Kansas City. Uh, the Republican candidates, you know, they would visit Colorado Springs, uh, they'd go to Columbia, they'd go to different places within the states, but they did this because they were trying to win the state's votes overall. Yeah. Okay. Because Colorado and Missouri are both all in one mm-hmm. in Nebraska candidates would never act that way because their goal was, of course, to win in places where they think they have a chance of winning. So, uh, you know, uh, the Republican candidate would never visit Omaha because they just figure, well, I'm I'm probably don't have a shot there. Uh, You know, the the Democratic candidate uh, wouldn't ever go to Colorado Springs because they just would think, oh, you know, I don't have a shot there. Uh, It would really change the way Candidates operated, and yep. and maybe in a good way. It'd be interesting to run the models and try to imagine how it would work out that way. Yep. But no, for now, forty-eight of the fifty states do the electoral college votes all or nothing.
1: All or nothing. Is way that, way. Do they ever say like who the who gets chosen to be electors, or do they keep that like a secret for like their protection?
2: It's not a secret, uh, but I mean, it's not. It's not like really big news because, I mean, among other things, you don't get paid for being an elector. It's kind of like an honor. Oh, you're such a good Republican. We will make you one of our electors.
1: Um, I was going to say because I think like four years ago I was in my undergraduate at WSU and I was taking took two political science classes just to kind of like round out the rest of my my, my degree because I just needed two filler classes. So I took political science with um, uh, Professor Mel Kahn, and I think he was one of the Democratic electors. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, and just like other people who are active in their political parties, you know, and who seem pretty reliable, you know, they're going to be asked to be electors oh, and some people are asked to be electors, you know, year after year after year, or mm-hmm. in the case of Mel Kahn, since Democrats never win in Kansas, you know, He's told that he's going to be appointed year after year after year, but he never ever gets to it because the Democrats never win. The interesting thing about electors, and this is another weird thing about our system, the electors are, as I said, real live people, Mm -hmm. and they really do cast votes. Now, those electors are appointed, under state law, and they are subject to state law. So you have a lot of states, including the state of Kansas, that have laws that make it clear that if an elector does not vote for who received the popular vote majority within the state, that you know they're committing a crime. They can be punished. They can oh, wow. be hit by fines maybe even spend jail time. But here's the thing, their votes are still valid because they are the electors. Oh, wow. So 2016, all right, Donald Trump beats Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton won Washington state really easily, okay? Uh, I'm from Washington state. Uh, I'm actually from the east side of the state, Spokane, which is pretty conservative. But of course, Seattle is a huge city and Seattle is very liberal. And so between Seattle and Tacoma and those other cities on the western part of the state, uh, Washington is a very, you know, goes very democratic. So Hillary Clinton won it easily. Yep. But Hillary Clinton did not get all of the electoral college votes because three of the appointed Democratic electors didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. They, they voted for a, a like a Native American chief uh, you know, kind of as a protest type thing. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. Those are valid votes. You know, under the Constitution, the votes of the electors are the votes that count. Oh, wow. You know, so, so even if they're subject to state law that's going to punish them for voting that way, if they vote that way, those are still the votes. Now, there was a recent Supreme Court decision that said states do have authority over their own appointed electors. So it's possible that in come December, if, we've get, if we get some electors that you know go off and do their own thing, that we might see states trying to invalidate those votes. Oh, no. That would be a new constitutional interpretation. Uh, that would, that would be something that would have to go all the way up to the Supreme court and the Supreme court would have to lay down some kind of judgment there. Yep. But, but right now, you know, when an elector goes off the reservation and yep. votes for whomever she wants to, those are the votes that are real. So, you know, the, you know, it, when the Republican party appoints, uh, there are six people uh, their job is here in the state of Kansas, their job is to vote for President Trump. Yep. Uh, and um, if one of them decides, no, I don't want to vote for President Trump, I want to vote for the resurrected corpse of Ronald Reagan. Um, <laughs> under the current understanding of the Constitution, the resurrected corpse of Ronald Reagan will receive one electoral college vote because him or voted for or it, I guess as the case would be maybe under this recent Supreme court decision, the state of Kansas could challenge that and say, no, 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 no. We told what the electors have to do. They have to do it. Yep. Um, but if that stands, if that Supreme court decision stands and it's, and, uh, it faces a challenge and it remains in place, well, then that's going to take away an, another one of the few arguments remaining for the Electoral College because it really could just be you know, a computer then. Yep. If, w- why actually have people cast votes if it uh, in if December yeah. if you are able to insist that those people vote in a certain way? Exactly. Uh, you know, w- why even bother with that step? Well, it makes you wonder, kind of the
0: way the way that's structured is, you know, and you and you you kind of mentioned how it's kind of how the Constitution was built, how it was built when it was first began. After all these years, it's the one thing that I I keep hearing over and over that it's surprising how it hasn't. I I don't want to say revolutionized or you know or how how would you say like changed as much as it as it should have after all these years. Everything's always changing, you know, technology, the way people think, but how is it that this one thing? still as, how would you call it, stone-aged as yeah. it is, and it hasn't, uh, hasn't been updated.
2: I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Uh, the American people have always had a really kind of weird form of patriotism. It's very unusual. Um, you know, most countries around the world, they, they, they organize their feelings of attachment to their country uh, they organize their, their feelings of life, of patriotism or nationalism around people or events, okay? And Americans do that. You know, we've got, you know, the Washington Monument, and we've got President's Faces on Mount Rushmore. You know, we, <laughs> we do some of that. But we also really, really attach ourselves to, like, the Constitution, you know, this <laughs> this written document. Have either of you ever been to Washington, D.C.? I have not. No. Nope. Okay. So in Washington, D.C., there's this building <clears throat> called the National Archives. And uh, the National Archives has got all sorts of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But the first part of the National Archives, the first part of the building that you go into when you walk up the steps off Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., is this big rotunda, this big open dome. And you get in a line, and you go all the way around the edge of this dome. And at the far end, there's like this altar. There's these two huge upright blocks of stone uh, that that stand there like altars. And when you get close enough, you can look on top of those stone tablets or those stone tables. Um, And what you see is these... uh, these plexiglass containers filled with some sort of, of neon gas that are protecting the original constitution and the original declaration of independence, you know, so that you can look at the actual original paper. I mean, well, I mean, uh, of course, you know, Nicolas Cage stole it in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I <brought it> <laughs> So so we have this real attachment to these written documents. Our country is two hundred and thirty years old. And nothing's our constitution has only been amended twenty-seven times in two hundred (laughs) and thirty years. And ten of those amendments were all done at the same time within (laughs) the first couple of years of the country's existence. So, really, basically, we've only changed the Constitution about 17 times yep. in like 229 years. It's That's crazy. Really amazing. Yeah. Um, the Electoral College is one of those things that was changed, but it was only changed very, very slightly. Yep. You see, originally, the electors were going to choose the president, there were no parties. There was no role for the, the state governments except to appoint these people. These people once appointed were just gonna say, well, who do we think is an educated, enlightened, experienced person who should be president of the United States? Um, you know, And they would make a choice. And the person who got the second most electoral college votes, that person would become the vice president. Because the assumption was that, you know, uh, we're trying to find educated, enlightened, experienced people. And if most of us think this person is such a person, but, you know, a few of us also think this other person could be such a person, well, then we'll put that other person in as the vice president. Because, yeah. of course, all educated, enlightened, experienced people will come together, right? Well, they realized pretty soon that that's crazy because even educated, enlightened, experienced people can have very, very different opinions about what the country should do. Yep. And so you had right off the bat a situation where like John Adams, George Washington's vice president, and Thomas Jefferson, who is uh, George Washington's secretary of state, were both running for president. John Adams wins. Thomas Jefferson comes in second. Nowadays, the word that we have for the person who came in second is loser. <laughs> but at that time, they said, well, these guys can get along. And the tragic fact of the matter is, is that Adams and Jefferson were old friends. But at that point in time, they really, really deeply disagreed with each other. Yeah. And they could not work together at all. Well, we so, all kind of
0: go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh I was going to say that kind of that kind of does bring that kind of does you know make me think about kind of what's going on today in our in our in our in our world of politics which is the idea of two opposite ends never agreeing on anything and Never going to agree on anything. Right brings you that the Democrats and the Republicans. Right, we built this system, and again, kind of goes back to what you're saying that us Americans are so used to this one system, so 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 used to it, and kind of glorify it that we're still stuck on this Democratic and Republican system where you're you're never going to get these guys to agree, and you're never going to get these guys to to really. I don't know how you would say, you know, collaborate together to create a better government or a better environment for the people. That's what their goal is, right? But that never seems to be the end result. Well,
2: what you're saying there, Daniel, is correct. I mean, the reason why there have been so few changes in our system is not just that the American people become fixated on, like, you know, the Constitution, you know, treating it like it's... You know, scripture like it's equivalent <laughs> <The Ten Commandments. laughs> to Bible. It's not okay. It's it's a system of government. Those, those things can change. Yep. Um, I mean, that's a big reason. But another big reason is that, uh, well, you know, by the time you've got Adams and Jefferson running against them, you've got a party system coming into existence. Yep. And those parties have become deeply entrenched, and you know. If they were gonna radically change the system, they would be undermining the way in which they have built themselves into the system, okay? Uh, you know, you take a look at how Congress operates. Uh, Congress is organized entirely around whether the Republicans or the Democrats have a majority in either one of the, you know, either the House of Representatives or the Senate. Yep. Um, You take a look at state governments. They're all organized around Democrats and Republicans. And of course, the appointment of electors is organized around Republicans and Democrats. So if you want to see a real profound change in the way we elect people, if you really want to see a profound change in the Constitution, then you've got to convince either Republicans or Democrats to do it. Yeah. If any change is going to help out the Republicans, the Democrats will oppose it. And if any change is going to help out the Democrats, the Republicans will oppose it. Okay. I mean, look, the parties do actually sometimes work together. I mean, there is such a thing as bipartisanship that does exist, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's really hard to see it when things become as polarized as they have become in recent years. Um, And and that just increases the frustration with the system. The system is a bad system. I mean, look, I I study this stuff, okay? The Constitution of the United States is a lot better than a lot of other constitutions around the world. You know, I mean, you know, don't even get me started on the Russian Constitution. (laughs) That has, like, all sorts of problems. But, I mean, a lot of just... You know, much more average, uh, you know, countries with their own systems. Like, you know, I lived in South Korea for a while. You know, the South Korean system of government, yeah, th- there's issues there. The mm-hmm. Mexican constitution, the Mexican constitution has issues. So, look, I'm, I'm not saying that our system of government is like some, you know, horrible, atrocious, impossible system. It's yep. not. Yep but it's got some real defects, partly because, as you pointed out, Daniel, it's from the Stone Age, and technology (laughs) has changed. Um, I would argue that our system worked kind of as well as it did for a long time, because for a long time, and I'm really thinking of like from World War II up until like the 1980s or the 1990s, for like for a good 50 years there, um, the differences between the Republicans and Democrats were not as great. And so it was easier for people to get along and do things. It was easier for them to kind of paper over the problems in the system. Now when you've got a system that is, is dominated by parties that are so divided from each other, all of the weaknesses of the system are exposed. So, like, okay, um, uh, good example, the the recent stuff with the Supreme Court, okay? The people on the Supreme Court are appointed for life. They never stand for an election, but they are appointed by the president. And since the president has to win an election, there is a sense in which, okay, you know, the, the preferences of the people you know, a couple of steps removed are kind of reflected in the Supreme Court. I mean, that's not really the case, but that's the idea. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So you have um, someone on the Supreme Court pass away. This was uh, Antonin Scalia back yep. in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barack Obama was still president. Barack Obama uh, chose someone to sit on the Supreme Court. The Senate said We're not even going to consider this. It's too close to an election. And people were saying, wait a minute, can they do that? Can they just say no to the president? And, well, apparently they can. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you have just recently, uh, you know, another justice on the Supreme Court died, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, It's just a few weeks away, like maybe a month and a half away From the election, and uh, you have President Trump appoint someone, Amy Coney Barrett. Yep. And you have the Senate say, "Okay, we're going to hurry and confirm her." <laughs> and pe- people said, "Wait a minute!" But four years ago, you said that you can't do it when it's that close to the election. And uh, and you know, the leader of the Senate, the re- leader of the Republican majority in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, said. Oh, but in that case, the presidency and the Senate were, uh, you know, were led by different parties. But now there's the same party. And so now it's OK. Yep. And people look at that and say, you're just making this stuff up. It's not in the Constitution. And of course, it's not. It's not. Yep. But they were able to do it anyway. So all of this makes people really mad. And they are mad about something that is just right there in our system something that hasn't been looked at in hundreds of years and maybe people didn't notice it before because the differences between Republicans and Democrats weren't so great before but now they are and so all the creakiness in our system is being revealed. I mean I would, this goes to the elections you're talking about yeah. you know now everybody is hyper focused on the elections so now we are seeing the fact that, actually elections in the united states are really convoluted and they take a long time <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know? i mean even think about like maybe people don't think about that before no, I don't think
0: so. And then, like, me and Jordan were talking about a while ago where kind of during this time we're thinking, can you imagine what the outside world is doing right now looking at what we're doing with our system, you know, and they're kind of like, man, this this stuff is f- flawed. And, again, it goes back to, you know, there's a lot of flawed systems out there, Mexico, Korea, uh, you know, just all the all – know the, Russia, China, they all have their own flawed system. They all have their own flawed type of way yeah, of governing. Sure. So do and, we.
2: And I will defend our system. I will defend our system against many of those. Oh, 100%. But that doesn't mean I'm not aware of all of our problems. Exactly. You've got a lot of companies around the world that actually have pretty well – they, they run elections pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're, they're, they they function quickly. There's not a lot of confusion on the number of votes. How are they able to do this? Well, one of the ways they've able to do this is they've changed their laws as technology has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, and we haven't done that.
0: Yep. No. Yeah, I would agree. I think that, as I like said, that's you know why. That's why we're we're still kind of feeling Stone Age. And if you and if you and it kind of with the recent events, it kind of shows. I don't know if you. I'm sure you've seen this too. People's. I, I don't want to say everybody, but there's a lot that I've seen. It makes me think about it too. But it kind of shows. Um. I would say it puts a little bit of um, uneasiness with the way our system is and maybe a sense of, is this really working? Is this really right? Because of obviously you have, or it makes people second guess. That's a good, better word to say second guess the system because of the way, you know, you have Biden that supposedly is the, the winner. You know, we haven't really fully decided that yet because there's still, there's still things that need to be done and we're not there yet for it to be finalized. That's being said that he's the winner. Then you have Trump saying that that was all false. That was all fake votes. That was all right. That was all fraud. And then that that begins the question of people right. wondering like, oh, shoot, is this really fraud? Did he really win? Was there some type of weirdness yeah. happening? So then again, that brings more of second guessing, more, you know, misunderstanding or, or more like, like, like yeah, I guess second guessing is the word I can think of right now where they're, they're worried that is right, the right. system really what it's doing or are there more and more problems that we're starting to see, which is kind of what we're seeing coming yeah. to light. It seems like. More things need to be updated, changed to make this a better.
2: Yeah. So what you're talking about there, Daniel, is what uh, you know. A, a lot of political nerds like me would call the legitimacy question. Okay, like, like is 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 this going to be accepted as legitimate? Uh, a lot of scholars will talk about democratic legitimacy, and that's not a reference to the Democratic Party. that's small D democratic, like you know, dem- the democratic process, you know, uh, self-government. Is it Do we actually have a, a system that we can believe in? Do we actually have a system that people will see as legitimate, yep. as opposed to something criminal? Or something corrupt yep yeah and, and, and there's a lot of interesting questions that come along with this. Be, one of the one of the things that a lot of uh, people who study politics like myself will focus on is this idea that legitimacy is more important? than absolute accuracy. And what we mean by that is um, there's always going to be situations that are unclear, there's going to be situations that are contested, that are argued about, and there's going to be times when those contests and those elections never really come to a satisfactory decision. Does that mean that you simply put everything on hold until you can come up with some sort of absolute accuracy or do you just go forward and say okay this is good enough we just we have to accept it and move on you yeah. know the idea of accepting something and moving on is the is the idea of legitimacy it's the idea that says look even if there are still things that i'm not sure about I trust that the system is fair enough or decent enough that it's good enough to go forward with. Um, when you lose the sense of legitimacy, what you have is people who will keep fighting over something forever because there's always going to be some question. So, like, look. 150 million votes some of those votes are going to be a fake some of those votes are going to be flawed some of those votes are going to be votes that were cast illegally can we ever really be absolutely certain of how many such votes may exist and where they are Yep. I don't know. I, I mean, again, if we all shifted over to the American Idol system, then <laughs> you just have, have one computer that's counting everything. But even then, wouldn't sometimes people wonder, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, uh, what's this, what's the algorithm that the computer was using? Do we yeah. really trust the results of the computer? Are no. we sure it wasn't hacked? No. Uh, what Was all of the information inputted into the computer correctly? You know, so... So there's always gray areas. Yep. There's always ambiguity. Um, when it comes to a democratic election, there is a strong feeling that past a certain point, you're now, you know, at, you now need to decide to set us to set to set down the pursuit for accuracy, and just try to maintain. Some overall trust in the system, some overall sense of legitimacy. Yep. Um, the argument right now is that um, uh, I don't know. If, are either of you familiar with Moby Dick? Uh, the book bit, or the movie? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. So in Moby Dick, there's this there's this crazy captain named Captain Ahab, yep. and he's obsessed with going after the, the this white whale. And he, he drives the crew, uh, you know, to, to their death, basically chasing this whale. Yep. Um, there's a lot of reason to think right now that President Trump has become an Ahab, that he is convinced that there's no possible way he could have lost. And so that must mean that somewhere out there there are votes that you can't trust. There were votes that were cast by illegal aliens. There were votes that were changed. He's gotta find it, Mm -hmm. okay? Even if he never finds it, the simple fact that he's spending so much time going after it is pushing away any sense of legitimacy. You know, it's like you said, Daniel, it's going to make people second guess everything. If Trump is still pushing this, well, can I be sure of this vote? Can I be sure of that vote? Can yeah. I be sure that my votes were counted? You know, the, the idea that you simply have to say, look, it's good enough to go on with. Let's just move forward. Um, that sort of thing is really hard to maintain if you've got people who are questioning every single little thing. And it's a hard line to draw because obviously, you know, if there was fraud, you want to expose the fraud. You know, nobody wants their vote not to be counted. Mm -hmm. You want to look into these things. But at a certain point, you also need to say, I'm casting doubts upon the legitimacy of the whole system. I'm making everybody second guess everything. Exactly, And that's not serving anybody good. So, yeah, I mean, this is. You know, all around the world, you've got people who are looking at the United States of America and they are saying to themselves, you know, uh, oh, my gosh, uh, these people, they, they, they can't get it together. They've got a system that none of them actually trust. They're not willing to trust the system and they're unable to fix the system. So they're, they're stuck. I mean, that's a little unfair because obviously, you know, you have somebody like President Elect Biden, who is as much as possible acting like the system worked. And I think a lot of people want that to just, you know, kind of play out the way it usually does. But as long as you've got someone in the White House who's, you know, casting doubts on the whole system, then you're going to have a lot of people around the world who are going to be thinking the same thing, that this just isn't a legitimate system.
0: Yeah, and I think th- I think that's kind of why. I, I honestly, I think, I think Trump could have done himself even even better. Honestly, he could have done himself a service thinking that, especially since he didn't get his second term, he still has another opportunity to come back in twenty twenty four if he really wanted to come back and try and run for president again. But he could have done himself some service Absolutely. if he if he would have been like, hey, you know, like you said, like the 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 quote unquote the. Uh, the history of things how things always went. You concede and you kind of write a speech or you say, Hey, congratulations. I'm stepping down. You won, blah, blah, blah. If you would have done something like that, but then continue with that. We're still going to do some recounts. We're still going to, I'm still going to do whatever just to the lawsuits or whatever he wants to do. Kind of just on on the down low, keep it quiet. Don't make a big, you know, drama type of, you know, deal where he wants to publicize how it's all fake. It's Mm -hmm. all fraud, this and this, you know, cause more problems. If you would have done it that other way, the nicer way, and still do his thing, which is, you know, like I said, recount and, um, get those things done. Yeah. It probably. It, that I feel, and in my opinion, and I know we've talked about this too. It might have actually done then the system a little bit of a service. Then there'd be less of this. Oh, oh. shoot. Is this, is this, yeah. f- is this a legitimate system?
2: Yeah. I, I, you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you. And, and he wouldn't have even had to be like super nice about it. No, he could have said, Hey, you know, the attacks on me during the election were unfair uh i'm I'm disgusted at the campaign that joe biden ran uh i'm going to come back in four years and you know and and in the meantime i'm going to be pushing this president as hard as i can i mean he could have left in a big hub oh yeah and still left in a way that said yeah okay this round is over let's move on to the next round Yep, because he is fixated on never losing a round, <laughs> uh, he's he's doing damage to the sister. Yeah, You're absolutely exactly. right that, that he could have done a lot of good for the country, both internationally and domestically, if he had just you know found some sort of way to accept a loss, even if he doesn't like the loss, even if he think it was an unfair loss, to simply say, okay, fine. This round is over. Let's move on. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It's like both. It's like both sides treat like a loss as it's like the end of the world. Like if the Republicans lose, they seem like it's the end of the world. Democrats lose, it seems like it's the end of the world. So it causes even more divide and more divide, and just brings well, the whole system down. Hundred percent.
2: And that's and that's a a feature of the polarization between the Republican and Democratic Party now. Which, I mean. A lot of people will talk about how, like, oh, America is on the, the brink of a civil war. Well, no, we're not on the <laughs> brink of a civil war because, for one thing, where would be the dividing line? Yeah. You know, what, you know what, what is this? Is, is it going to be College Hill versus the rest of the city of Wichita? You know, I, mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, there's no clear territorial divide, not really. Yeah. So, we're not on the brink of a civil war. But we are super polarized. Yep. And that's affecting the way we talk. This is something that I mention in my classes all the time. Uh, I cannot think of the last time there was a presidential election when you didn't have both the Republican and the Democratic candidates saying, this is the most important election of your lifetime. They just always say that i'm I'm trying to think like like maybe maybe like twenty years ago, uh the election between Al Gore and George W. Bush, which you know turned into a, a total mess yep that you one know, was you one know too. just as just as much as you know anything we're seeing today, if yep. not more so. But the election itself, I, I think like Al Gore and George W. Bush, when they ran against each other, did not in fact describe each other as in, in these apocalyptic terms, okay? <laughs> but you know, for most of the last twenty years, pretty much every presidential election is this is the most important election of your lifetime. you know yeah. your the future of the country depends upon this. Uh, it's just, and, and I mean, how do you back away from that? You know, how do you all of a sudden turn on and say, "Oh, I want to work across the aisle." These people that you know a week ago, I was saying, they're out to destroy the country. Jesus, it, it, it's it's a very very kind of cheesy thing to say. Kind of a kind of a, a weak thing to say, mm-hmm. but it's true. If people would just not engage in that kind of constant exaggeration, if they would just say, you know, actually, I'm pretty certain the country will still exist no matter who is president, I'm pretty certain that most things will in fact continue to operate the way they already do, whoever is in control of, you know, the state government or the national government. If if people could just tone it down a little, it would do a lot yep. to fix polarization in the country. Well, it's funny. But when you've got when you've got one side that says, "Look, if these people win the election, it's communist tyranny," you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a word I've been hearing a lot. Side, and yeah, you've got the other side that says, "Oh, if this side wins, you know." Uh, You know, women are going to be reduced to second-class status, and you're not going to be able to have jobs. You know, they're they're going to have to wear these heavy gowns everywhere they go. I mean, just this extremity, okay? It's not like that. It's
1: no. just not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I think the people that talk like that are just louder than the people that are like – that try to sit in the middle and they're like, what if we all just get along? And they're like, no, if you vote Republican, you're racist, this, and that. If you go to the left, you're a communist and you want – like the gun is taken away. And it's like, what if we just want like what's best for the country? <laughs> and then everyone just starts screaming right. at <laughs> exactly.
2: exactly. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean – this can also get us into a discussion about technology. There's a lot of good stuff that's been written and, and and not even like heavy scholarship. I mean, a lot of this I think is pretty obvious to most people. You know, things like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I mean, they're wonderful tools, but they don't exactly encourage people to be mellow. You know? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's all about exclamation points. Yeah. It's all yeah. about extreme. You're not going to get a lot of followers. You're not going to be a successful influencer if you say, you know, I I think that uh, this candidate is moderately better than the other candidate. You know, that that just doesn't cut it in the the online environment. You've got to say, well, you know, this candidate is in fact an actual Nazi. Or (laughs) this candidate, you know, is in fact like a – practicing witch you know it's just <laughs> the stuff that people go for it's insane i was
1: telling daniel about that like
2: Online
1: and think earlier this week i was telling daniel i was like there is a, a podcast of a couple of uh, i was listening to um just from snapchat stories and it was like these three these, these three people talking about charlie pooth the singer and they're like they want to know who we voted for, and they're like, Charlie, did you vote for Trump? Like, we we need to know who you voted for, so we need to know so we know if we can listen to your music or not. And I was like, that sounds like a couple years ago, like when oh, Taylor God. Swift came out against – or for – I think she advocated for Hillary or Bernie or someone. And it's like the Republicans wow. dropped off, and they're like, you can't listen to Taylor Swift anymore. <laughs>
2: yeah it's just, it's just i don't know the the group thinks that functions uh it's it's so frustrating uh and it's it's omnipresent it's all around us because again it's kind of part of the social media environment um and it's really really crazy when it 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 trickles down to um to to you know like Arguments and, and decisions that are so far removed from politics, like the example that you just gave—you know, people wanting to categorize, you know, the country musicians or pop musicians and position themselves accordingly. Yeah. You know, people do this with grocery stores. You know, do you <laughs> shop at Walmart or do you shop at Target? Or no, worst of all, do you shop at Whole Foods or Trader yeah. Joe's? Then. No. <laughs> <Man. laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, you know, like it'll happen on the level of county and city politics too. Like, uh, Brandon Whipple our mayor. So he was a Democrat. Uh, he still is a Democrat. You know, he served in state legislature as a Democrat. And there were people that were really organizing to, to, to fight him, uh, in his mayoral candidacy. And, and that's, that's fine. There's all sorts of reasons to support him or oppose him. But they were organizing around him because, because you know, he's, and he's a Democrat, and so he's pro-abortion. Okay, the Wichita City Council has absolutely zero business with abortion <laughs> policy. Zero. It doesn't matter. Uh, but... But you've, you've gotten yourself to the point where you have to think that way, Yep. you know, yep. uh, a, a Republican candidate, you know, uh, they must be, you know, part of some kind of white supremacist movement. Okay. Uh, because of Donald Trump or because of you know, stuff that happened in Charlottesville or something yep. like that. And this is a Republican candidate who like serves in the state legislature, okay. He's not involved in any of that stuff. Yeah, but we categorize them anyway. Yep. So it's well, just it's, it's frustrating. one of the, one of the things I did.
0: I did want to. I wanted to bring to you because it was something that that's been talked about a lot. Well, kind of how you mentioned. You know, we we polarize so much that presidency being the the end all be all. Whoever we pick, this is going to decide yeah. if our country is yeah. going to die or live. But coming from that. I think what people were, there's a lot of people who are very upset because Biden's now probably going to win. All the people who really supported hardcore Trump, they're like this, we're all going to die. The country is going to fall apart. We're done. Then the other side, you know, people who, who are Biden, they say Trump wins, same thing, but, you know, and then obviously if Biden has his policies, he's going to push through policies, he's going to push these things in same thing with Trump. But one of the things I wanted to ask you and kind of get your opinion and, and your insight on is they are so fixated on the president What they, what some people, some of the, I would say more or less the, the ones who aren't as educated on the political system, they don't really hone in or focus in on the the Congress or House representatives who really are the, I I believe are really are the red tape or the blockade really of if something does get pushed through, you know, if we end up having more Democrats in the House, then we're going to get this pushed through. If we have more Republicans, then this is going to get pushed through or blocked. Vice versa. What what are your thoughts on on that? Obviously, Biden, Um, Brett.
2: but you know, I, I think that the fixation, the fixation on the presidency has been very bad for our system. It's been bad for our electoral system, for all of the reasons that we've been talking about, you know, yep. the, the, the polarization and, you know, the accusations that that cast doubts about the legitimacy upon the whole system. I mean, if you're if you're focusing everything on the election of one person, yep. then that. Obviously, is going to have reverberations that affect how you see everything else. Yep. Uh, but it's not just our electoral system. The focus on the constitu- uh, the focus on the presidency has really warped our whole constitutional structure. We've insisted that presidents do more and more and more, and presidents are going to respond to that political pressure, and so they're going to find ways to do more and more and more. and congress lets them do this uh because congress is affected by the same pressures you know people in congress uh, they you know get the message from their donors and from their voters you know do you stand with the president or do you oppose the president Mm -hmm. Um, and this is not a new thing you know the presidency has been growing in power really for most of a century now. You know, you go all the way back to the 19th century, you know, somebody like Abraham Lincoln is the exception. Most of the time presidents simply were not in a situation that would allow them to wield that kind of power. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, presidents pretty much ever since World War II have been routinely exercising all sorts of power way beyond what the people who wrote the Constitution imagined. And partly, again, this is because everybody, including Congress, kind of expects them to. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be nice to get people